hole and found hidden gems and buried treasures.
bit of Judas Priest to kick us off tonight here on Hidden Gems and Buried Treasures on Cam Glen Radio 107.9 FM, your local station. Thanks to Derek for usual wonderful full steam ahead. It's Rock Tuesdays, Derek, myself and then DJ GJ at 9 o'clock for all your rock requirements of a Tuesday evening. I said, Judas Priest there, and the reason for that will become quite apparent. Uh, later on in the show for tonight, we have a wonderful interview with a legend of the UK and world rock scene, and I mean legend, the wonderful Mr Mick Box of Uriah Heep. So listen up for that, but before that we'll have some double Scottish, should I say, are we, are we double, are we Scotch? Uh, but a bad actress, followed by the Swampborn Assassins, maybe a wee bit of Gabrielle Duval, a bit of Revival Black, and a heap load of Uriah. So sit back now, rocking chair, with those rocking slippers on, and bang your head to that rock sound.
favourite tracks from the Glasgow Environ Swampies, the Swamp Born Assassins. Always makes me smile when I say that name. Absolutely fantastic track from their debut album, which was, of course, Smell of the Mud. That was never, ever, never. And it's the second of a wee Scottish double. A wee double, a landlord. It was Bad Actors First with Living in Paradise. They're brand new in from the boys up in the Highlands. You're listening to Cam Glenn Radio, 107.9 FM. I am John Fell. I'm your host for the next two hours, and we have a big interview coming up with a legend of the UK rock scene, the one and only Mick Box of Uriah Heap. So if you like a bit of Heap, you're going to get plenty of it very shortly. For that, we're going to go a wee bit proggy. We're going to have a wee bit of No Man and True North.
gone far into a hole and found hidden gems and buried treasures. Artists on the scene to myself anyway. That was Gabrielle Duval, track from her Kiss in a Dragon Night. That was Take on the World. And a fine bit of smooth AOR that you can find. 
That's it tonight. It's big night tonight. We're going to hear an interview that I had with uh, the wonderful Mr. Mick Box of You Legends, Uriah Heap. Uh, absolute uh, honour to speak to the gentleman, and it was a fantastic interview, as you will hear. And that's coming up very shortly. For the moment, you're listening to Cam Glenn Radio, 107.9 FM. If you can't get us in the old FM bandwidth, you can go online to all the W's.camglennradio.org and click the Listen Live. Up now, ah, we'll have a wee bit of hopefully Nazareth.
favourite ballads from one of my favourite bands, the wonderful Nazareth there, and of course the voice of the late great Dan McCafferty and Dream On. Well, as I've been saying since the start of the show, a big interview you're just about to hear with a legend of the UK and world rock scene, the wonderful Mick Box of Uriah Heep. Uh, it was absolutely fabulous, recorded it a couple of weeks ago, uh, got it all into order, you'll hear the man himself, and lots of Heap music. So if you're a big Heap fan, listen up now. Uh, started off by asking Mick, was he surprised at the longevity of Heap? You, know, you thought we'd go for two, three, maybe five years, if you're lucky. Um, and such was the business at that time, but you know, little did we know it was going to last this long, you know. Yeah. But it just shows you that, you know, at that particular time, the bands that came out recorded some great music um, that stood the test of time that people still like hearing in the live arena as well as at home and in their cars and everywhere else. So thank goodness for that, mate. And that's why we're still around. <laughs> I think you're, you're quite right there. Your latest album, Chaos and Colour, came out at the beginning of this year. It's your 25th studio album. Uh, so I worked out, so half the time you've been recording stuff and half the time you've obviously been either touring or doing other things. Um, yeah. You've got a seven-minute song on it, and I noticed most of the albums have a very long song at some point. Uh, uh, yeah. Were you ever asked to compromise that, or have you stuck to your no, guns? No, no, no. I mean, I think we've we've um, we've established um, what we're all about in there over the years, so we just kind of record what we want to record. You know, we're not looking for anything other than a good album. Um, if, if they can pull a single off it, then all the better. But yeah, that's been immense all the way through. You know, we've always had long tracks on it on, on every album because part of what your eye heap does is you know, we 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 tip our toe in that you know, the jazz, rock, folk, um, metal, um, blues filled all the way through. You know, and uh, we started with that back with our first album, and I think it was depicted very, very strongly in that album because that was a bleed over from the band Spice that became your eye heap. Um, but we've kind of kept that that flow going, you know. We, we've always had this progressive rock side to your eye heap. Yeah, because the one thing I was going to ask you, the Hammond organ sound has never changed. <laughs> that has been this no, day, day one. That I, I personally love, yeah. and uh, I think it it's a good uh, play playoff, if you like, with the wild wild guitar and stuff, you know. And I think you know it just works very well. The great thing about that particular instrument is that it. it it encompasses all types of music. It can be very gentle, be romantic, it can be aggressive, can be rocky. It can be everything, you know. So wherever your music goes, the Hammond's always going to fit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good answer. Um, you touched on it earlier. You said jazz influences. I read that uh, Django Reinhardt was one of your influences in your guitar playing. Well, back way back in the day when um, my mother could only afford um, a less than a week. <laughs> Uh, with a guy called Hanley Hoskins and in 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 Walthamstow in the East End of London, and I went to him and um, he used to be the second guitarist to Django Reinhardt. Wow, uh-huh. So my first guitar teachers were very jazz orientated, which I love because I loved all the voicing of all the chords mm-hmm. and and playing melodies within those chords. So I thought that was really lovely. So I, I warmed to that immediately, and and that was his initial teaching. So. Once I heard that, obviously, I, you know, I got all the uh, the albums of Django Reinhardt the day, and um, was was just amazed at what he could do with mm-hmm. with so little, if you like, because he lost some of his fingers, didn't he? Yeah. So, um, and was an inspiration for Tony Iommi, I believe. So, 
You know, Django left a big mark on. Because I'm going to say, Django's Django. not the one a lot of folks say. They tend to say Buddy Holly or something like that to me. So I was quite, quite well, into Buddy Holly again with me as a writer, you know, when I was coming out of the um, the jazz orientation stuff, I was getting into Buddy Holly and Eddie Cochran and, and people like that, you know, and that's where they sort the rock side and Elvis Presley, of course. That's where they sort the rocky side started taking over from the jazz.
how did you form the the heap sound? Because it is unique. If anybody puts an album on, they can tell straight away, apart from the Hammond organ, uh, it is Uriah Heap, because you have a very unique sound. I've never heard a band anywhere else that, that comes close to yeah, it. Yeah, there's something we established way back when. When uh, I mean, I I, I um I was a big big Vanilla Fudge fan, you know, with Mark Stein on the, on the, on the Hammond organ. And they, they, they were a band that just copied songs, you know. They didn't like mm. to keep me hanging on by the sleeves and did big arrangements to them dynamics great vocals and everything yeah but it, it wasn't original songs and i just felt that that if we sort of um took that template a little bit further because i played wild, wild guitar a lot mm-hmm. and gave a few more different colors in plus the fact we had five singers we could always use our harmony not always like coming out of the 60s it was done very sweetly just sing along with the chorus and who's and ours <laughs> but you know we came along used it as another instrument almost you know mm-hmm. like that block harmony and gypsy the step harmonies and bird of prey all those things started becoming a trademark so when you put an album on we've n- normally um tried to encompass all those things <laughs> in it you know so you know it's us even <laughs> even in two, 2020s or whatever you might call them these days uh you put on the album and it's very rocking right from the start you know you, you don't kind of have haven't let up for age or anything else you no, know you, there are very fast know, songs it's in their DNA, John. You know, it's just what what we are. You know, um, I'm never going to go out and just do a little, you know, a little folk album because I'm this age. You know, you know, I've still got the same passion I've always had for the music. So, and that helps you get through and, and come through and, and and carry on rocking. Yeah, I was going to say, how long do you think you'll go on? I, I, the reason I ask is I was for my sons. I was away seeing the Hollies last week, and Bobby Elliott is 81 on drums and he looks as if he's playing them like a 20 year old and that, that to me when i think of if i'm going to be 81 will i be doing something like that i'd be i'd be over the moon do you think you'll get you'll keep going well into your 80s well you know you know i i never put any brick walls in the way um of that happening um all i can say is as long as you've got your health you can carry on doing what you love so i think look after yourself and mm-hmm. um and uh make sure you're on top of your health and everything will be fine
Confer into a hole. And found hidden gems and buried treasures. Go back to the album, Chaos and uh, Colour. The artwork on it is slightly different from some of the previous albums from Heap in the in the noughties, as we say, because you, you kind of go for, I'd say, this Colour and Chaos is more kind of uh, in the kind of radio head news sort of look, whereas previous ones have maybe sort of veered towards really? things like Yes album covers, album covers, because they'll have been more kind of uh, very sort of Fantastical. How do you how do you choose who chooses what you're going to put on the on the cover? Well, we we, we got a guy from Ignosis do it, and and um, you know we gave him a scoop, obviously, because you know chaos and color. The the idea of the title was that um, it was written in the chaotic time of COVID, and the only color in people's life was music. So that's the essence right. of the title. So we wanted the 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 um, the album to have color on it. The album cover the artwork and not be drab or anything you know and it's just bring color into people's lives and then when they come up with the idea of the guy who's is in anguish because obviously and it really tied in with you know he's got the covid anguish but the color is the music coming out you know so it's kind of all tied in with the 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 whole initial idea which were mine of course <laughs> <laughs> you end up giving the names of the albums. Uh, no, no, it's, it's, it was interesting because I've looked through the sort of series albums, and you do go for kind of sort of uh, the sort of mystical gypsy style stuff, and then the other two albums all of a sudden have a very kind of more modernistic cover, and then you go back to the. I wondered if there was a pattern. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you just you just do you know, artwork really is just locked in time as is music. To be fair, you know, and. Um, you look at the artwork that's available at the time, and you just mm-hmm. choose what you feels best to go with the music. Oh, right. and, it, and it's no more. There's no no more um, complicated than that, to be mm-hmm. honest. If if the uh, COVID, did you? How did you find that? Because I know a lot of musicians I've spoke to, they were going nuts because they couldn't go out and do anything. They they were stuck in, and, and a lot of them re- either re-recorded their old songs oh. and, and brought them out as reworkings on an album. Did, were you ever tempted to do that during COVID? I think if you ask my family, they'd, they'd say I was going nuts. <laughs> but, you know, as a musician and the sort of personality I am, um, when that big um, hole appeared in my curriculum, mm-hmm. um, without any touring, I filled it with lots of other things. You know, I did uh, mm-hmm. lockdown uh, videos and uh, Mixed Monday videos. I did a lot of cameo things. Mm-hmm. Um, which which is um, videos for people celebrating birthdays and things like that. It goes to my cancer charity. Um, I did a lot of writing. I did a lot of book writing and stuff like that. So I just filled it up with, you know, my day was as busy as ever. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't out on the road. Yeah.
So when you record albums, Mick, are you an old style band? Do you still go to a studio? Or I know uh, the likes of Bernie, if he's still in Canada, does does, does he just do his bits digitally wise? Or do you... oh, no, we, we we have to be in the studio at the same studio. time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't record any other way. Yeah. I mean, that's where you get the true essence of a band, you know, playing uh-huh. together. And and um, you know, and sometimes we didn't we do most times didn't use click tracks and things like that because you know I think you took away the human element. If 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 we're speeding out, then we're speeding up because it's exciting, you know, yeah. and uh, and and it's a natural progress rather than holding it back just because it's all got to be on the one is is not my game at all. Oh, no, and if you look at all the all the albums that we began talking about back in the seventies, they were all recorded that way. You know, we didn't have mm-hmm. click tracks and things like that. You just went in. And played the song, and then you yeah. you you chose the best take. That's why I like Joe Rustin as our producer because he, when he says you've got the take, that's that's it. He doesn't mess with it. I work with other producers. They say oh, you got the great take, and then they say, "Will you go away and uh, and have some lunch, and I'll do some some work on it." And then they put everything all on the one of the bass drum. You come back, all the magic was there; it's all gone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, um, you know, we, we're very much a band that does it in the old school way.
Waking up, dressing up and walking around Thinking that you're great at garbos I'm sorry my dears but we only sat down And laughed and laughed and sorrow But it was you that opened the door And it's that we thank you for Catkin to Camus Lang, from Rutherglen to Halfway, and across the southeast of Glasgow. This is Camwen Radio, one hundred seven point nine FM. Your voice, your music, your station. So this is just an off the wall question because I thought twenty five albums. If I was an alien and I had landed enough, and somebody said you've got to listen to Uriah Heap, what yeah. albums would you suggest, mate, Mick? Twenty five. <laughs> that way you got lots of birthday presents lots of christmas presents <laughs> anniversary presents you got presents of plenty for for a long while <laughs> that's, that's a good answer <laughs> i like that one i mean because it's been diverse and because there's been um a lot of lineup change it'd be very difficult to say this is yeah. it. but i mean if you're talking to certain people they'll go right back to the 70s to the lineup of you know you know, Box Kerslake, Byron Thane, Hensley. Um, you know, but there's lots of good music beyond that as well. So it's very difficult to, to pinpoint. It's, it's talking about David Byron and uh, along with Bernie. Was Bernie chosen because he is quite close when you listen to some of the David Byron vocals? Bernie is not far off being. And I, I was amazed when I found out he actually came from Canada way back because mm. he doesn't sound Canadian. He hasn't got a twang. It sounds very, very. <laughs> Anglified, uh, does, is well, yeah, that his I mean, singing voice? Yeah, a lot of his family from England, so you know right. he, he's been here for years and years and years and years. So it um, it it was almost English, to be fair. Yeah, you know, and um, yeah, I mean, one of the reasons for 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 getting Bernie on board was that he had the same range as David, yeah. which was which was quite a, a high range mm-hmm. um, or a wide range. And um, and he could cope with all the different um, styles of singers that we have had. Mm-hmm. So um, he really was the, the, the one that could do it all, if you like.
You're coming on tour uh, next year on this. It's a metal tour with Priest and Saxon, which which I find yeah. <laughs> this, you're, you're not. Yeah, I suppose you, as you said, you kind of cover all genres, uh, but probably the least metal out of the three of them, I would say. Uh, and uh, is is that the kind of thing you want to? Do? I mean, you're going to big arenas around the UK for with, with this one. 
I mean, is it still something that gives you that buzz, or do you prefer the smaller sort of venues or clubs or whatever? Oh well, well you know, you know, if you're in a band, you know, you play all sorts of things. You know, we played, you know, one hundred thirty thousand people in San Paulo in Brazil. We played one hundred twenty thousand TF Square in Ukraine. Uh, you know, and yet we played small clubs in Germany as well. You know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you just play where you play, you know. You give hundred percent. You don't look at the the you know the size of things, you know. I mean, we just played Wacken uh, recently to fifty one thousand, you know, yeah. marvelous, you know. And the next time we're up in Norway to a to a fair where there's only five thousand, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's all the same once you're on the hit on that stage, you know. Yeah. Has it surprised you the the success and longevity of your day heap from when you started? I think, yes, it's very surprising. The fact, you know, I was talking about it this morning, walking the dog um, <laughs> in the park with a, with a bass player friend of mine, and he and he, we were talking about, you know, um, us selling 40 million albums, and, and, and it was just a spin out. It, never, it just, people say that, and it just disappears into the ether. Yeah. It got me thinking about it, and I'm thinking, 40 million homes have got our songs, some of my songs, my guitar, all, all in there, you know. <laughs> And then another guy who was walking the dog chips in. He said, "Yeah, but that's not the ones that have been making all the copies and sending them out." So it, could be <laughs> so it was a real spread out. So yeah, you, you, it, it's it's a wonderful feeling, but you never believed it was going to ever happen. If 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 he hadn't taken off, what would you have done, Mick? What do you think you would have been doing? Initially, I was a footballer. Ah. I played for my school. I played for London Schoolboys, uh-huh. and I was coming through. But I did notice that. Um, People, people were getting taller than me. Um, I've always been gradually challenged. <laughs> My mum was five foot nothing, and I'm not far off that. And, you know, it, it just, um, they were getting bigger and bigger. But I, I was, in those days, I could get stuck in. In those days, you could get stuck in in football, yeah. like you can today. Yeah. And Because I was, you know, low on the ground. I could get, yeah. I could run fast. And uh, so I had all those attributes, and um, I could score goals. And I was, you know, I was a good little player. Inside right, right winger, I think, um, would be the term back then. But, um, you know, I just saw people shooting up a lot bigger and faster and, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, um, maybe I should look for something else. Then it just occurred to me one day, um, I was in the changing room, somebody had hurt their leg really badly, and I said, wow, if I, you know, if I really damage my leg or break my leg, I, I can't play football again. Hmm. But if I do that, I could still go on stage and sit down and play. <laughs> so, so the emphasis slowly going like this way, you know, coming in my head, and suddenly, you know, it was guitar all the way. Look, <laughs> <laughs> that was forward planning. I like that.
have you got planned for Heap uh, for the coming? Oh, you've also got the tour next year uh, with the bands, and I saw you're going to Rio before then, I think, as well. You're over to back to Brazil. Uh, is there another Heap yeah. album in the pipeline yeah, at this point in time? Well, do you know what? Um, although I write things every day, me, me and the keyboard player, Phil Lanzi, do most of the writing. Um, although Russ and Davey came on on board on, on Picasso in Colour because they had time to do it. Um, you know, we 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 stockpile ideas, but then we, we never put start putting things together seriously until someone says you're going in the studio in so many months, and then we start getting it together, and then it's fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and 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 for us it's very important to have that freshness, you know. So even if we had some old stuff we were working on, we'll just ditch that and move on the new stuff. Yeah, that's, that's no, but no, we haven't we haven't um actively started recording, but there again. In the same breath, there's a lot of ideas sitting there waiting to be, you know, picked up. I suppose if you say if you can record it within two weeks, you you don't need a lot of pre- well a lot of preparation in terms of getting things. There's well, lots of good stuff there you can go. I think the most important thing with an album is when, when you've got the songs, mm-hmm. you're going to do a bit of pre-production, um, and this is where young bands can learn. Mm-hmm. Do pre-production in a rehearsal room, get all the hard work done there, and then when you go in the studio, you're just going for the one take that has the right sound of the right feel, mm-hmm. and you're done. You're done. So it's words from the master there. That... Yeah, all the hard work done at rehearsals and then, and then just going record the sounds and performances, mate, in uh-huh. the field. And that's it. Have you, have you ever felt of, like, changing the sound? I mean, we spoke about the earlier, but the sound of heap, just to see what it would sound like, see if people would react. Because it, yeah. it is, it's a unique sound and it's so successful, obviously. The only time it's changed a little bit is by producers. Mm-hmm. I felt that... Um, Around the eighties, say Abominog, if you like. Um, well, that was a great album. It went top forty in America, and we had a huge success, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, even if I put it on today, it sounds very eighties, <laughs> you know, because there was a time in the in the business where things had to sound like a certain way, or else they wouldn't even get airtime. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that applied to not only the sound of the band, but also vocalists. You know, they had to have a, that side of a bit of a smooth sound to it to to make it work and i think you know abominog had, had it was quite raw but you know peter golby at the time our vocalist had a great voice for radio uh in those days and um and i think also when we went to um we had a guy called tony platt produce an album called equator that didn't really do anything at all because the record company we were signed to was signed specifically to sign X like us. They signed us and then folded. Portrait <laughs> <laughs> label, portrait label, CBS it was. Uh, yeah. And so, um, but he came on board and, it, and he, he really Americanized everything. And it was just all too smooth. And mm. you know, like I said earlier, you know, that he, he ironed out all the magic that was there in the first place.
John Farrell into a hole and found hidden gems and buried treasures. There were different ways of the of uh, say sort of the recording process now because obviously you, you still go to studios, but it, do you find there's more freedom now uh, than you had? when you were on the kind of the early in the 70s, 80s and the big labels, you got more freedom to lucky. do what you want now. Quite lucky. We, 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 you know, we've always sort of had the freedom. Um, we we always a band that went in and recorded a great album with a single on it. We could thank, thank God for that. And, uh, and there you go. There was a point in time after getting things like Easy Living being successful. I mean, up to Easy Living, it was a, you've got to write another Gypsy. And you get easy living. You got to write another easy living. <laughs> then we, then Ken was going through this real pop period, which I didn't particularly like, and and so we had uh, uh, "Free Me," which is a song that reverberated in Germany, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, um, big, and and it was a you know a good poppy song, but it, you know we were a rock band, you know, so it was kind of you know us tipping our toe in it, but you know. Then the record company saying, "Oh, we want another free me." We want, the, you know. And suddenly it was, um, it did get a bit silly. But in the end, we just said, "Leave us alone." We record, we record, and if you got, a, you, you pull off a single off it, then good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, is there anything about Uriah Heap, like Box, or any of the that people would be surprised about? They wouldn't like. Well, apart from the fact that you weren't, were going to be a professional footballer if you hadn't taken up guitar, uh, was there anything that oh, people surprised. would be surprised at? I wouldn't know really. I'm a pretty open <laughs> to be honest, mate. You know, I, I take the um, <laughs> Postagoglu approach. Very <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> honest, up front, and That's just let it go. Point. You know, yeah. Um, I don't think there's many surprises in there. No. Um, <laughs> You know, I just do the same normal things everyone else does. I walk the dog in the morning. I walk him at night. I walk him three times a day. So that gives me. Um, I do the shopping for the family and you know, this and the other. Day. I did have a funny instance in in, in um, Sainsbury's in uh, in the north north of London where I live, and um, for some reason I had this this car that that was self locking, mm-hmm. and I had the windows sort of. This much open, it's just that much open. I couldn't get my arm out, but it locked me in. I was sitting in the driver's seat, going, well, "What can I do?" I couldn't do it. <laughs> so this lady was walking with a trolley, walking past, and I shouted to her, "Says, hello, darling, can you help me? I'm stuck in here. Can I give you the key and then use the key to unlock the door for me?" And she she looks and she came right up the window. She says, "You're not Mick Box if you're right here, buddy." <laughs> Yes, darling, I am. But if you can please get me out of this prison, because I'm baking in here, um, I will do a selfie with you. I'll fight you. Give me your address. I'll send you pictures, which we did. And uh, <laughs> it was just a funny moment, you know. Oh, of all people in the world, you know. <laughs> that's, that's a brilliant one. <laughs> in other words, there's a surprise around every corner. We need yeah, to know. Ex- exactly, exactly. <clears throat> Is there anything that... Uh... You want to say to any of your fans, whatever, Robert? Our fans, you know, you know, without our fans, you know, we're just the noise in the in the rehearsal room. Yeah. And so we're thankful to them um for you know for supporting us, being with us, you know, being on this roller coaster ride we've been on so far. And uh, and and you know, supporting us with buying the, the albums and the and and the and the, the concert tickets and the merch and everything else, you know. 
it's been wonderful, you know, and we we revere our fans like more than probably most bands ever do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're the sort of band that we go into all these different parts of the world, but generally we could name all the front row, <laughs> you know, because we meet them, we know them, we go very many times, you know. So, well, that sort of band, you know. So, yeah, the fans are, uh, are immense to us, and we're, mm-hmm. we're immensely proud of them, and we hope we make them proud too. Yeah, it's nice to hear. And I won't keep you any longer, Mick, because thank you for doing this. I know it's, you're probably getting your no waiting problem, for your tea. It is not. It's, um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Lovely, mate. And if fact, you look over for... here, uh-huh. see that it's my first guitar. Ah, right. Oh. That's my mum who bought that first guitar for me. And if you've kept it, and it's That's... a Telston, uh-huh. um, with a Diamond pickup on, and it's a semi-acoustic, um, sort of red sunburst. And we bought it for twelve pound ten, old money, uh-huh. in um, a pawnbroker's at the top of Walthamstow High Street. And that's where I started. That's and the... that's where my fingers used to bleed because the, the strings were so high, <laughs> you know. But it never stopped me. But that was the beginning of everything. So. Now that's a th- that you just made me think of a question there, Mike. I have tried guitar, and I have very small fingers. Exactly. No, that's what I was going to say. How, 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 well, you look at people it? like um, Satriani, Paul Gilbert, um, Steve Vai, um, the latest guy I really love is Richie Cotson from uh, uh, Winery Dogs, um, and all those guys. You look at them, their fingers are longer than my legs. <laughs> <laughs> And the spreads they do are just ridiculous. Oh, and I can never do that. So even in the early days when they're doing all the scales and things like that, which bored me to tears, I must say, mm-hmm. um, I couldn't play them how everybody else was playing them. So I used mm-hmm. to roll it. And eventually uh-huh. they gave me my own style. And that's uh-huh. why I've got this little rolly style that I have. So, right, so in the end, it worked for me rather than against me. And, and the nicest thing anybody says to me is that, you know, when I hear your guitar on the radio, I know it's you immediately. And I think, well, that's great. You know, mm. that, that that will do me. That's interesting to know how you, you rolled it, because I, 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 I tried and I just could not stretch to that top <laughs> string. And I thought, how did you do this? I said, this, yeah. is, this is beyond me. Back in the fact, day as well, you know, it was uh, everybody was an individual. The, the You know, with bands like um, Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, yeah. Led Zeppelin, Your Eye, whoever we were going to pu- pull in, each of the musicians was an individual, and and you know all the, all the, the guitars were different, and the bass players were different, the drummers were different, keyboard players, the vocals were all different. But it's just some of the parts that gave every band their flavour, and and um, that's sadly missing today because everyone's sounding and looking alike. Because uh, you know you get guitar schools and they go in the front door, they come out two years later, play a fantastic guitar, but they all sound the same. Yeah. In in that learning process, no, no being no attention paid to the individual mm-hmm. or the individuality. So, you know, you, you're in a situation now where you can take that person out of there, put him in there, put that one in there, put him in there, put him in there, and you never know the difference. But in the old days, I couldn't replace Richie Blackmore. Richie couldn't replace Tony Iommi. Mm-hmm. Tony couldn't replace, you know, Jimmy Page. It was just, it wouldn't work. And all the bass players and the keyboard and the drummers and the vocals, all the same. Yeah, so with the, like, with the guitar, that was a very important thing for me that, you know, that I persevered and you know, created my own style, which is good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Coupled that with discovering Jeff Beck's Truth album, where he <laughs> played the Wawa, which was the, one of my all-time favourite albums, that and Beckola, two, two, um, with Rod Stewart on. Come on. It, it, Rod Stewart never sang better than on those two albums, ever, anything else. 
marvellous. <laughs> and Ronnie Wood on bass, I mean, just Mickey Wood on piano. And, uh, <laughs> Nicky Oppenshaw on piano, sorry, Mickey Wood on drums, oh, amazing. Um, but there again, you listen to it, and it's true, it's honest. You can tell they were in the studio playing together, having a great fun, yeah. and that was that's what you heard, you know. And and that's what it's all about for me, you know. And that's where my world world came from yeah. because I heard that once and once only went, That's the pedal for me. I think I agree with you. I think a lot of stuff sounds very sterile these days because they don't have that kind of I don't know, is it just uh, sort of playing off each other? Going into a studio or going into a club, sitting it's doing the stuff. whole it's, business has got two separatists, you know. Yeah. The, you know, some over here and sending files, going to the studios individually. Yeah, get back to the band, go in the band, get the flavour of the band, yeah. and, and and develop that flavour, you know, <laughs> until and until everyone recognises it, and then you'll you'll be flying. Because oh, if you're just chasing uh, the same part as everyone else, you, you can only be second best because there's always someone else doing it. Yeah. Before you, yes, very wise words. You, that's it's been a pleasure to talk to you, Mick. It really well, thank has. You, my friend. And thanks, no, and uh, thank if you're speaking to Robert, thanks, thank him again. And uh, hopefully, the tour next year goes well with Priest and Saxon. That's about three of my favorite bands. Yeah, I, so, I think we're, look, we're looking at prior to that going to America, and then we're doing that, and then we we finish the Priest Saxon heap thing, and then we go to a rock cruise from Fort Lauderdale over to. Cayman Islands or wherever it is that they normally go to and back, you know, which is great fun. There's loads of bands, mm-hmm. loads of bands on there. Then we've got all the festivals. We've just been receiving from our manager festivals in Clam Festival, Lovely Days Festival, this festival, that festival. So it's great. Yeah, so working, happy days. Working more than uh, <laughs> you did in the early days. <laughs> so we'll keep taking the vitamins and get out exactly. of the room. <laughs> <laughs> no, brilliant. Thanks very much, Mike, for your time. Happy today. days, John. ways and your gold crest limousine you were making trends with your so-called friends with a power so obscene then your hollow heart it was torn apart you were thrown a learning curve if you turn your back on good advice you get what you deserve we hit the nail right on the head we hit the nail right on the head To try his best to make things good He's an honest man with a helping hand From a run-down neighborhood Then you hear the blood, you see the blood It's good work, come undone Step aside for the one who said Only the good die young
Lover's Road on a path that ain't so smooth. Many ups and downs, many tears and frowns, and the sweetheart look for truth. Or the life between what she believes, gonna have to take the fall. No fear the sheep will ever look back, cause true life's gone, cause all. Yes, you're listening to Hidden Gems and Buried Treasures here on Cam Glen Radio 107.9 FM. That was the wonderful interview I had with Mick Wall, legend of Uriah Heap and UK rock scene, and in fact, the world rock scene. A lovely gentleman. I have to say big thanks to one of our colleagues on the station here, Mr Robert Fields. He has a show on a Sunday evening. Good show. Listen up uh, for arranging that for me. Uh, Robert's been a big pal of Mick for a long, long time, and he, he was excellent, Mick. He could have gone on for hours. Uh, the interview is a lot longer than what you heard tonight. And that was long. That's probably the longest interview we've had. But we had some excellent tracks from the heap in between. If you want to know what they were, kicked off with Lady in Black from the Salisbury album. Then we had Save Me, first single off their new album, Chaos in Colour. Let It Ride, which actually came from an unreleased album and is on one of those magnificent box sets that you can buy all things heap. We had Circus from Sweet Freedom, Easy Living, a live version from 1973. Uh, Heartache City from the album that Mick wasn't too happy about, Equator. And finally finishing up with Nail on the Head from Into the Wild. Absolute fantastic interview, a lovely gentleman. Thanks again to Mick for agreeing to do it as well of a Friday evening. We had to juggle things about with the time to get it sorted, but uh, he was a fantastic guest. And uh, one of the sort of memories I will carry with me to the end of my days just a fantastic fantastic interview well I'll quit the yakking because you've heard enough of me and Mick and we'll just carry on rocking
from Cathkin to Camus Wine, from Rutherglen to Halfway, and across the southeast of Glasgow. This is Camwin Radio, one hundred seven point nine FM. Your voice, your music, your station.
favourite bands at the moment, Silver Roller, and their debut single, which is Hold. You're also Cam Glenn Radio, 107.9 FM. I am John Fell. This is indeed the last 20 minutes or so of Hidden Gems and Buried Treasures this Tuesday. We had a wonderful interview with the legend that is Mick Box and plenty of Uriah Heap tracks. Absolute fantastic interview and a true honour to speak to a legend in the rock world. I do have a bit of public information. I've been told by one of my colleagues who nipped in. There seems to be a police incident uh, at Farmlone Road and King Street in the area and I believe the road is closed at the moment so anybody travelling that way please avoid do a detour etc carrying on with the music now well we're going to go for a wee bit of prog again but a wee bit earlier on we're going to have a wee bit again this time it comes from a band with a wonderful name they are called Odin Dragonfly and it's their track Web
John fell into a hole and found hidden gems and buried treasures.
all about that. Woke you up from your lethargy in that old rocking chair. That was Rival Black and So Alive. Now, I don't think you could be anything other if you were listening to that track. Absolute storming. Well, we're nearly at the end of the show. If you enjoyed the Mick Box interview tonight, as I hope you did, there's plenty of other things on the station that could might interest you. Like tomorrow, Cat's Cream, between 11 and 1, always a good listen. Cat will be chatting to Keith from Mental Haggis all about prom- promoting good mental health and they have an upcoming comedy night. So find out what's going on and they also find out what Cap got up to during the October break. And it wasn't just Netflix, she says. And also on tomorrow evening between 7 and 9, the Jamie Heaney Show, Jamie's got a plethora of live bands coming in these days and his latest live combo are the Zombie Economists performing live in the studio. Another band with a great name. We are your local station, 107.9 FM. Up shortly, it will be DJ GJ with the Symphonic Plated Show with all the Symphonic Plated Metal and Female Fronted Metal that you can handle. But for now, we're going to have a wee bit of a band we had in not that long ago in the studio on a Tuesday evening. Didn't play live, but they will do at some point. They are the wonderful In Charge. Terrified of what's inside 
Yeah, a, a stonking track there. The second last one on the show tonight. In charge. And I wonder what you're thinking. Well, it's just time to say thanks to everybody who does listen, those who help me get it on the road and get it on air. Thank you to them too. And big thank you to Mr. Fields of this parish for helping me get Mick Box and to Mick Box himself. If you want to know Mick's charity he was alluding to, it's the Nightingale Cancer Research Centre if you feel like giving something to it as well. Worthwhile cause. Going to finish up now with the third of the triumvirate that will be in Glasgow next year. Uriah Heap, Judas Priest and this mob here. The wonderful Saxon. Good night. Step from